We're going to take a break from Hebrews 11, and we're going to reflect a little bit on our nation. We don't always do that. In fact, we rarely do that. And this being July 4th weekend, I thought it would be a great time for us to utilize the Scripture and do a little thinking together. So I'd like for you to turn in your New Testaments to 1 Peter 2, verses 9 and 10. 1 Peter 2, verses 9 and 10. This is the very word of God. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You were once not a people. But now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, the grass withers and the flowers fade and men are like grass. But your word endures forever. And so, Holy Spirit, illumine and open your word Comfort your people and bring confidence and bring a desire to serve you in this world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to begin by asking you a question. Would you consider yourself to be patriotic? How many of you would consider yourself to be patriotic? Let's see a show of hands. It's like, if you aren't, I can't not raise my hand, right? Well, I consider myself to be very patriotic. Uh, I was raised in a military family. My father was a uh, fighter and a bomber pilot in the United States Air Force. Uh, I was raised to love our country, to love and know our history, to love our form of government, to love the freedoms that we have been given. All of these things were spoken about in my home quite often growing up. Um, I believe that the United States of America is the, in many ways, the greatest nation that has ever existed on the face of the earth. That's what I believe. And uh, I am so happy and I am so proud to be an American. I'm not an American by choice. I was born here into a family that was born here. So, yes, I would consider myself patriotic. But I'd like to ask you another question. And and that question is, so how are you feeling about America these days? And I have to say that being as patriotic as I am, I, I, I hold mixed feelings about what I see in the United States of America today. Uh, Do any of you feel that our nation currently is in the midst of a period that may not be her best? There has certainly been a long protracted period of economic slowness with the requisite loss of employment for lots of people and everybody knows someone who has been affected by our economy. Uh, Americans report more than ever changing feelings about the nature of their personal security. 
both here as terrorism has found its way here, finally, and traveling abroad. Recent surveys, lots of recent surveys, and these go back at least five years, but particularly recent surveys confirm shifting philosophical and moral values in our land. That's just the map of what's going on. That's just a fact. Others perceive that we might be losing prestige in the world as a country or losing our leadership position that we have had at least since World War II in the world. And it is very unclear after this election year is over exactly where we are going. So does the 21st century look as though it is shaping up to be another American century. It doesn't feel that way to me. Uh, It may be. And I still believe that the United States, with everything I just told you, is still the greatest nation that there is in this world today. Um, But I have to tell you, I, I, like you, probably oscillate between feelings of patriotism and, and feelings of, of unsettledness about it. I, I'm just being honest with you. I have a few of the, you know, the favorites bar, you know, on your, your screen. You know, you, I've got a three different news services, and I want you to know that I get my news from different sources. They are not all conservative sources. I would like to actually see and hear what people from different viewpoints have to say. But one of them, which, which is a more right-leaning news service, and I use it because you can scan it, is the Drudge Report. And y'all, I just had to take it off my favorites bar not long ago. Because it just got so depressed when I opened it up. I mean, they collect, they collect a, a, an interesting uh, stance on, on what's important in the culture and, and what, what news is. And I just had to kind of take it off for a little while. Um, where's it going? Where is our country going? As Francis Scott Key penned in what became our national anthem, the Star Spangled Banner, as he was observing from, as a captive from a British ship, observing the, the bombardment of Fort McHenry in Baltimore Harbor when the War of 1812 wasn't looking good, would we still have a country by the time Britain in their the invasion of the United States was, was finished with us as he, as he penned in the midst of this, this attack and this struggle. You know these words, and the rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air, gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. Will our flag still be there? Fifty years from now, waving high and proud as a beacon of hope, of democracies, a beacon of blessing to a modern world, the way America has been a a shining light, a city on a hill, an open door to the world. Will the center whatever that is now in the United States, will the center hold? 
Will we be better? Will we be diminished? We don't really know. And if you know, I'd love for you to tell me after church. So, what does a believer in Christ do when his nation seems to be quaking and shifting? Where do we get the kind of assurance and confidence that we need in a time that has a feeling of uncertainty and maybe even insecurity? This is why I've chosen this passage this morning, uh, this Sunday before the 4th of July, because I thought it would be a great opportunity for us to actually do a little thinking about what the Bible says about who we really are as a part of a nation. Here are the words, but you are a holy nation. But you are a holy nation. Second, uh, First Peter 2, 9. What does that mean? You are a holy nation. I'd like to put it in historical context first, if you don't mind. The Apostle Peter is writing to a, a group of churches in the Roman world who are not tempted at all to put their faith in the government for salvation, to put their faith in the government for their prosperity, He was writing to people who were actually under persecution and some of it related to the government. There was no confusing the Roman Empire with the new Israel. There was no confusion of a a nation state or an empire with the, the last great hope for the world. No, this wasn't about Republicans and Democrats in the first century. This was about Caesar and a dictator, and you didn't want to get on the wrong side of that power. And the church was on the wrong side initially of that power and suffered greatly. So, you know, this isn't just a patriotic verse about loving the empire. It's not about the Roman Empire. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, and I want you to know it's not about the United States of America either. Basically, if you have put your trust in what Jesus has done for us on the cross, paying the penalty for our sin before a holy God so that, and giving us relationship as a result of us exercising faith in what he has done, if, if you have a relationship with Christ, basically you have what we might call dual citizenship. You have dual citizenship. I think most of us here, maybe not everybody, and that's okay, Most of us here are citizens of the United States of America. Most of us here have a passport. At least we have a driver's license. You know, we we have documents that that show that we are a citizen. Most If we pay our taxes, I hope it's not most people pay their taxes. I hope we all pay our our taxes and render to Caesar that which Caesar thinks belongs to him. Um, Yeah, we are citizens of the United States of America, but this text says we are also, right now, today, citizens of what Peter calls the holy nation. Now, the holy nation is not a nation like we see nations. We, we see nations in a very modern way. 
We see nations and define them as what we might call nation states, geopolitical units, you know, lands with with borders and boundaries that have a political ruling class within that sphere, and that particular country is distinct nationally from another. That's a nation. The United States is a nation. Germany is a nation. This is not at all the way the Bible thinks or talks about nations. Now, you are a holy nation, literally, in the original language is, you are a holy ethnos. That's an interesting word, isn't it? We would say, you are a holy ethnic. That's the word for nation. The word is ethnic. It means that believers make up a certain people group in the world. Believers make up a nation of people throughout the world who are represented in churches together locally. We are a unique kind of ethnic group, believers in Christ are. We have a unique culture. We all serve the same Lord. We all have a common belief in the basic tenets, fundamental tenets of the Christian faith. We all have a common salvation that that is through Christ and by grace alone and the work of another rather than ourselves. That is sheer mercy and grace. We all should share a kind of stance of gratitude and humility because God has done this and the Lord loves us and we belong to him. And we all have a common mission to share this love and grace of God, not at the point of a sword but simply out of a heart that wants to show and tell the gospel. Our truth and our values do not come from what the majority of people think around us because that will change. Our truth and our values, just like our salvation, come down to us, revealed by God, outlasting Everything that we can see. Remember as we prayed, men are like grass, like the flower of the field. They wither and die. But the word of the Lord stands forever. That there is truth. And it is beautiful. Because it comes from God. There is truth and it is gracious. It is loving. It is beneficent. It is merciful. Because it comes from God. And it comes down to us and transforms us. And having this common faith, this common truth, this common baptism, this common Lord, this common salvation, and this Word of God, it transforms the way we see everything. And it's peculiar, the Word is later in this very text, it's peculiar to those who put their trust in Jesus. And it can certainly feel very peculiar in the culture at large. And that's okay. Our job is not to blend in with the culture. Our job is not to hate the culture. Our job is to actually live within a colony of heaven on earth and love the culture. And be with and among the culture representing Jesus to the culture. You might say that this distinctive culture we have is a counterculture. It certainly was in the first century. You know, you kind of get that feel why this letter was written, what was happening to them. They had to rise above their culture, literally to, to, to not be persecuted, to live in, in spite of being persecuted. They had to rise above the fact that they were a tiny, tiny drop in an ocean of a pantheon of religions 
And that was okay. God's not counting heads like God has to have a certain amount of people before he's activated. God has to have a certain amount of people before his word is actually true. God has to have a certain amount of people before he can do what he wants to in the world. In fact, God says not to, to, to us, remember, brothers, when you were called, not many of you were wise. Not many of you were wealthy. Not many of you were noble because God chose the humble to shame the wise. And God chose the lowly, to shame the, the high. And um, this is why Gideon, when he was about to face a far superior army, suddenly, by God, has his army reduced so that it would be shown that this was God. And God doesn't operate on the latest surveys, and God doesn't operate by majorities. Now, we do understand this, this way of looking at a nation, not a geopolitical, but a people group. Every one of us understand it. I'll give you two examples, and you'll just get it. The, 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 Ameri- the, the um, Native Americans have always used this language. The Yakima Nation or the Cherokee Nation. What's that? I mean, you, don't, you, you will look in vain on a map to find a nation called Yakima. Or Cherokee, like the United States of America. Now, the Cherokee Nation, y'all know what it means, right? It's just all the Cherokee Indians throughout the world, right? It's, it's the people group. The Yakima Nation. Okay, let's bring it a little closer to home. I am a full-blown member, citizen of the Auburn Tiger Nation. Have you noticed we started using that language? Now, some of y'all are part of Rebel Nation. Some of y'all are a part of bulldog nation and some of you are part of golden eagle nation see there it was i have determined i'm not leaving southern miss out anymore i am an equal opportunity preacher when it comes to sports golden eagle nation baby all right love it but you get this you are a holy ethnos a holy nation a a people group with a culture that we share together. It means that this is good news this morning. This is good news this morning. And, and, and I want you to know that shifting the word nation away from, from the United States and its boundaries and its politics to believers as an ethnic group, this, this will not, I promise you, will not take away from our patriotism. It is to say... That our real future is not bound up in any election. You hear that? Our real future as a people is not bound up in any election. It is not bound up in any trend. It is not bound up in any shift, any decline. The future of the holy nation, the holy ethnos, is as solid as God himself. This is God's holy nation. Our future is not up for grabs in this election or in any other year. We are a colony of heaven on earth living out heaven's values before we are a voting block on earth. Folks, no matter what is happening in this United States of America nation, God is preserving the holy nation. And I got news for you. Empires have come and gone. 
And this notion that ours is an exception to that could be a very foolish thing. We have seen empire, power, nation rise. And we have seen empire, power, nation fall. And you heard from the start that I hope that America's best years are ahead. But the holy nation is strong, preserved. And the gates of hell will not prevail against the holy nation. That's who we are. That's where our primary citizenship is as we live as patriotic members of this nation. And you know, God is not our president. And we don't elect God, and we can't elect somebody else to be God if we don't like what he's doing or what he's saying. God is not our president. God is our creator. God is our redeemer, and God is our king, flat out absolute monarch of the universe this is good news y'all and the king is my father i want you to notice that um it's not just like god's nation it's you are a holy nation and so what does the word holy mean it means the word holy literally means to cut it means to be set apart Set apart by God, by His grace. Why did He choose anybody in this room, particularly me? Don't know. Probably wouldn't have chosen me. But out of His sheer grace, He chose Israel. Out of His sheer grace, He chose those who put their trust in Jesus. It wasn't because we were good. It wasn't because we were beautiful. It was simply because He wanted us. Holy means to be set apart by God. It also means to be set apart to God. In fact, 1 Peter 2.9 is an almost direct quotation from Exodus 19.6. Where right after God gives the law, right, excuse me, right before God gives the law, God is saying, I have made a covenant with you. And you are set apart to be my people. And I want you to walk with me. I want you to be a, a different kind of people. Isn't it interesting that this verse is literally a direct quotation of what God himself said about Israel in Exodus 19.6. And you know, I want you to, to pull out your Bibles for a second. You get a sense of, of how this is just so much God's grace, how this is by His power, how this is not up for grabs. When you look at the whole of our passage today, and I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this, but you are a chosen people, a chosen from every tribe, nation, tongue, and language selected only by God's sovereign choice. That's who we are. God did it. We can't undo it. You are a royal priesthood. He says in the same verse, Christ, through his own blood sacrifice, as our high priest, put his own blood as sacrifice. This is what's so wonderful. The once and for all sacrifice, the true lamb of God, and through the sacrifice of our high priest through the forgiveness that flows to us, through the relationship and the sonship of God himself that flows to us, we have union with Christ our high priest. And you know what that means? We're priests, royal priests, children of God, able to go direct to the throne of God, able to pray, able to praise, able to offer ourselves to God, which is our reasonable sacrifice. You are a chosen people. This is of God and His grace. You are a royal priesthood because of Jesus. You are a holy nation. 
You are, he says, a people for God's own possession. Not only did he choose us, not only did he just bring us directly into fellowship and directly into the throne room as priests forever with Christ, he wants you. He, he, he wants you. We, we are a people for God's own possession. He holds you. He keeps you. He loves you. This is my Father who loves me. And He is the King of the universe. A people for His own possession. And then verse 10, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Do you see how all of this is given by God? Can you see that before all worlds, God had this all figured out. This is sovereign grace from before the beginning until eternity. Yes, you can trust in being a part of the holy nation as your primary nation, that God is in the midst of his people, that God is leading his people regardless of whether they are in North Korea or whether they are in the United States of America. I get a little tired of all this nationalism kind of cross-wrapped up in the American flag. I want you to know our brothers and sisters in Iraq just don't get that. Our brothers and sisters in North Korea don't get that. Because the holy nation is what is in their view and they just happen to live in a repressive regime. Well, the holy nation should be in our view and we happen to live in a blessed place. In a land of incredible opportunity and blessing. That, I might add, was rooted in revelation that came from God. At least rooted in the Ten Commandments. And therefore a blessing and has been a blessing. So, I told you it wouldn't diminish your patriotism. I kind of just said, not the nation, the holy nation. You know how it doesn't diminish our patriotism? Because you know, do you know who makes the best citizens of this nation? Those that walk in grace with God in the holy nation and know how to extend grace to people right here in our culture. Those who receive God's truth that has been delivered to us in the Old and New Testaments and are able graciously to be salt and light in this world. Yeah, the best citizens are those who walk in the holy nation. I want to show you that in verse 9 of our text. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a people for God's own possession. Why? That you might proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You see, there it is. There it is. That's what people in the holy nation do. We recognize that we were in darkness. And you know, the, and we were brought by God and his grace alone into marvelous light. That word marvelous is so marvelous. That word marvelous means unusual, unexpected, greater than, surprising. As one scholar put it, he changed our midnight into noon. And it is just bright with love, bright with truth, bright with grace. We are a holy nation set apart by God through the cross. 
we are a holy nation set apart to walk with God in order that we might convey the character and love of God to the world around us. This is so essential. And it's so beautiful that we might convey the character of our Father and the love of our Father to the world around us. Here's the way Jesus put it. Let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. We need more light, not less light, in our nation in which we live. We need more love, not less love. We need real love, sacrificial love. We need more grace, more mercy, not less grace and less mercy. That you may proclaim the excellencies, all these things, of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Sometimes we get the feeling that things are not the way they should be. And we get a parallel feeling that we are powerless to change it. You ever feel that way? That I, I'm just one person. They say the church is shrinking in America. Oh no. What will we do? If God's not in a majority, He's not God anymore, right? Sometimes we feel that things are not as they should be and we feel maybe powerless to bring change. And we've been sold the idea that anything we do and set our heart to do and consistently do in the name of Jesus is pointless anyway. That is wrong. Verse 9 says, this is how light comes. This is how light comes. It is through people in the holy nation proclaiming the excellencies of God's grace. Realizing that we are a part of a holy nation being stationed together. How about that? Being placed in various places throughout the world and, and throughout this nation being stationed together throughout the land. This is what changes this. you got to see this. The holy nation isn't designed to simply be a reflection of you. That's why it's called a nation. The, the word here is a vast plural. It means a multitude, you see. The holy multitude. And I want you to know that as we take up living in the grace of God, living in the light, living in love, living in truth... I want you to know that the holy nation today, this very day, is designed to act as a combination of a million actions and words every day. It is a million. And I use the word million only, only as a, a big word because it's more than a million. I guess I should say millions. Millions of actions each day. Millions of words words each day, millions of reflection of gospel light, millions of prayers that matter, millions of deeds of sacrificial love every day, showing and telling the gospel every day in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your school, in your class, in your recreations. This is how the kingdom comes. That's how God redeems the world. 
That is God's program for bringing everything in this kind of an advanced pilot program of the new heavens and new earth that we possess and the forgiveness and all the potential that God wants to give us in this kind of life as we wrestle with that. This is how God redeems the world. This is how God shapes the world. And on this 4th of July, so you're not powerless. If you have Jesus, you're a part of a nation. A holy nation, and that matters. On this 4th of July weekend, I call you to celebrate the heritage that has been handed down to us as citizens of the United States of America. I call you to learn our history and to celebrate that which is rooted in God's revelation, that which has sprung up as a great experiment of democracy that no one thought would, would, would work. That has been blessed by God. I I call you to celebrate our heritage. But I call you to lift up your eyes to and give your primary allegiance to the holy nation. The ethnos of God. The ethnos of grace. And to walk by faith with God's people of grace. And to walk together. And to work it out what it looks like to forgive in front of a world that won't forgive. And to work it out what it looks like to be generous in front of a world that is often not generous. What it looks like to put others first rather than ourselves. What it looks like to lay our lives down for others in sacrificial love just as Christ laid his life down for us. Y'all, these actions, the millions of them, the one, are so powerful because Christ, the Son of God, the Redeemer, and the one with all authority in heaven and earth is in these actions because He is in His chosen people, His royal priests, His holy nations, His holy nation, those who are His own treasured possession. This is the best hope for our beloved nation to love the holy nation more and bring its grace and values to our nation and to the world, this world that God so loves. Right? Don't you remember God so loves this world? And you matter. You matter. Because you are, you are a holy ethnos. A holy nation. And you know, one day we will finally reach the shores of that good country. That good ground. That promised land. We will reach the shores. We will reach the boundary of that real place that really is our homeland where the holy nation will be our only nation and God will be our light together in His praise forever. Let's pray. Lord, would You lift our eyes 
God, there's just so much hand-wringing. There's so much skies falling, henny-penny talk among your people. As if what we hear on the news is the last word. As, what, as if what we read in a Pew study or a Barna report is the last word. Lord, you, you are eternal. You are the one that raises up nations and you are the one that puts down nations. Lord, we thank you for this nation that we live in and we would ask for you to preserve the good values of these United States. We pray for a revival within your church, a revival of true religion, of grace and truth. Lord, would you open our hearts toward sacrificially loving someone that the world might see the difference? Would you open our hearts toward forgiveness in an unforgiving world? Lord, would you just break the the stranglehold of our selfishness? Would you allow us to prefer others in a narcissistic world? Lord, would you work in your people and through your people, your holy nation. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.